But today I'd like to go over 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and, and verse 13 as we study the, the topic of, of overcoming temptation. Um, raise your hands if you've ever been tempted. Just out of curiosity, raise your hand. You know, of course, we all have. It comes from within. It's our own nature. It has an inclination to sin, right? It, temptation from within. And then you have all the influences around us, uh, the fallen world we live in, just to let you know, loves to sin. You know, and then there are the enemies, Satan and his soldiers, known as demons. And, you know, sometimes it's the war, other times it's the battles, but they tempt us. And in many ways, hear me for a second, they win when we sin. You got to know that, you guys. I mean, we should be a people who hates sin. And, you know, the, the thing that the Lord's really been ministering to me lately is that, you know, if you lose, it's because you choose. We have God within us, God for us, so that we can win over sin. We really got to know that. We can overcome temptation. You know, today's study, primarily, it has the, the emphasis of, that, that we can win, and I want you guys to walk away with that, but also woven into it is how we can win. And I pray that we would come away with that as well so that you and I will never be the same, you know? A temptation is within us, it's around us, it abounds, it surrounds, especially in the United States of America. You guys know we live in a nation of temptation, and therefore it's a battle that we cannot escape. Understand that. You know, it reminds me of a true story I read about a soldier who was wounded at the Battle of Shiloh during the American Civil War, and he was ordered to go to the rear of the battle. But the fighting was fierce, and within minutes, the soldier returned to his commanding officer, and he shouted, Captain, give me a gun. This war has no rear. And, and you can visualize that, you know, you're in a war, okay, get to the back, you're wounded, there is no back, there's no way out of the battle, there's no way around the war that we're in with sin. And so we got to get a gun, we got to know how to fight, do what's right, we have to learn how to overcome sin. You know, we're all going to face temptation, there's no way around it, but the only question is, how will we do when we face temptation, and how do we overcome? And so there are many factors for victory, but some of them are found in our passage today, and so let's read it here. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, he says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. And you might even want to underline that. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let me ask you a question. Do you hate sin? Man, I hope you do. We don't hate sinners. We love everybody. But we should hate sin. You want to know why? It breaks God's heart when you sin. And it breaks the heart of the people of God when you sin. Sin separates us from God. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, it separates families. It separates friends. It separates flocks. That's what sin does. We should hate it. 
with everything we are. Sin sends people to hell. We should hate sin. You know, I thank God that as Christians, we don't need to be worried about the penalty of sin, which is hell. You know, for if you're here today, you're a Christian, aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all of your sins? If you're here and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you today to come to the love of Jesus Christ. Not a religion, but a relationship. Not a program, but a person. Not a church, necessarily. But it, we're talking about Jesus. He loves you. I encourage you today to know that he's drawing you to him. Come to him. Because when you come to Jesus, you are forgiven of your sin. You don't have to worry about the, the penalty of sin. But we do need to be concerned with the power of sin. How sin can come in and overpower us. And I see it every day, you guys. And we see it happen even to those who come to the church. The devastation of drugs and drinking and and divorce, it can happen to any marriage. The way that you didn't have a dad, you become a deadbeat dad. Why? Because of sin. The perversion of pornography, the power of pride, the lust of sexual sin, the lust of money. I mean, we could just go on and on with the way that we see sin and how it devastates our families, our flocks, our society. And here's the thing. Although we won't be sinless on this side of time, God... Help us, you guys. I pray you would have a heart to sin less. But the only way that's going to happen or even begin to happen is if you and I come to that place where we learn and we live the basics of overcoming temptation. We have to learn how to wage war against sin. We have a couple of things in our text today that I believe can help us overcome temptation. Number one, we see whatever the temptation is, it doesn't matter, it's not unique to me. We see that in our text. It's not unique to me. But then number two, we see in our text that whatever the temptation is, it doesn't matter, it's not too hard for me and God. You guys know that? I mean, some people think, well, you know what? It's, it's got to happen. You know, I'm a young person. She's a young person. We both have our sex drive. And so there's no way you can expect me to stay pure and wait until marriage. That's a lie from the enemy. I mean, my wife and I, when we came to the Lord, we stayed pure until we got married. Man, we're talking years waiting on the Lord. Don't you think, don't you believe the lie that you can't stay pure just because you're young and have a sex drive? Believe you me, that's a lie. A lot of people think, well, I, I can't, you know, stay calm because I'm, I'm Mexican, bro. Yeah, and, uh, I got that anger in me, man, and you don't know. And then you name it, they're out here, excuse so many things. I was raised in this situation, and this happened to me, and I got this going on with my hormones or my emotions and all that kind of stuff. And you are buying the lie of excuses. You don't have to sin. God has provided a way of escape. The things that you're going through, they're not unique to you. And you got to know this, you guys, that it's not too hard for me and God to be able to overcome. You know, we read that in our text. You know, it says right there, no temptation has overtaken you. Uh, that, that word overtake, it, it means that we all experience it. Temptation, one translation says, will come into our life. That's just the bottom line. Now, having said that, uh, let me say a couple of things uh, regarding that. Um, number one, or letter A, we should do our best to avoid temptation. Do your best to avoid it. 
You know, if you struggle with drinking or drugs, tell you what, don't go to the party, right? I mean, if you struggle with spending, ladies, don't go to the mall. That's all I'm saying, okay? <laughs> we learned that in the marriage retreat. That was one of the things we learned, man, that the ladies like to go shopping. And so all I'm saying is that if that's your struggle, don't go, you know, on the Internet browsing for stuff. You know, if you're struggling with speeding, don't drive your Maserati, you know, stuff like that. And seriously, though, if you're struggling with the Internet, pornography, um, it doesn't take a terribly smart Christian to figure out that you should get rid of the Internet. You know, you got to avoid temptation. Do your part. We do our best to avoid temptation because I like what Mark Twain said. It says it's easier to stay out than to get out because once you get in, it's hard to get out. You know, I read a story about a three-year-old boy who was trying to explain to his mom how he ended up eating the cookies. And he said to her, I just climbed up to smell them and somehow it got caught in my tooth. <laughs> oh man, I would say just don't climb up to smell them if at all possible. You guys don't go in that direction. One guy said this, people don't decide to be drunks drug addicts, prostitutes, murderers, thieves, but they pitch their tents towards Sodom and then the powers of evil overcome them. You see, don't be like Lot who pitched his tent towards Sodom. We should do everything we can to avoid temptation. And so uh, one is to stay away. Uh, another thing to avoid temptation is to pray away. And by that, I mean you should be praying. Like Jesus uh, said, we should be praying in Matthew 6.13, lead us not into temptation. Did you know that was a model prayer, you guys? Uh, he gave us, you know, a model prayer. Not necessarily that you just say it verbatim, but these are the things that you want to bring before the Lord. And so let me ask you a question. Do you ever pray that? Lord, lead me not into temptation. You can pray away temptation. In Luke 22.40 uh, Jesus said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And so we, we want to avoid it. How do we do it? Stay away, pray away. And then the last one, forgive me, but it has to rhyme. It's slay away temptation, okay? Pray away, stay away, slay away. You know, and again, I don't have time to fully develop this, but I want to mention it in a teaching on temptation because Oftentimes, we don't do this. We don't deny ourselves, take up our cross, and Jesus said we're supposed to do it every day, and we don't slay away. We don't murder our flesh. We allow those lusts to linger and then to grow. And what happens when you do that? Individuals become more susceptible to certain temptations. And so, you know, why don't you put your marker here and go over to the book of James, In James chapter 1, look at verse 12. James 1, 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Such a beautiful promise, a beautiful passage, huh? And then he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But here it is, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires 
and enticed. Therefore, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. You see, there, there's that, that, how can I avoid it? I'll pray away, uh, stay away, slay away. You have to start dealing with your own animal appetites, and you, you kind of keep them in check. I mean, I, you know, you, you feed but the, the, the lust by looking at the chicks and looking at the billboards and whatever. You're watching television shows that even nowadays there are television shows that you can't watch and commercials that your wife has to stand in front of the TV on and stuff. And so, you know, you just kind of you stop feasting on those things. I tell you what, it's going to help you. But if you start taking all those things in, then you're going to actually develop more of an appetite for that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, you had an affair on your wife. And you lost everything. And it can happen to anyone. Why? Because you didn't take this into consideration that really temptation is mostly to do with me and the way that I have to die to myself and watch out for the desires that I have. You know, and I know this isn't a perfect illustration because when it comes to food, um, I love to eat. I really do, man. And I'm learning that when you eat with people, it's beautiful. It is. I'm learning that. So, you know, it's hard to say, okay, let's go have a salad together. It really is, man. (laughs) And so, you know, I'm not weird, but you guys, you know what I'm talking about? Like, when you start looking into certain foods, and find out what they really are, and just really like the poison that you're putting into your body, I tell you what, man, you probably, you know, you're going to develop more of a, okay, you know what, I probably should stay away from that. And before you know it, you are going to start liking, you know, food that's good for you. You are going to start liking, you know, some of the veggies and tomatoes and, you know, I don't know, just not even necessarily vegetables, but things that are more natural, Right? Because all the man-made stuff, it's all messed up. You go organic a little bit more. And again, I know it's expensive, but you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like that. You know, some of you are here like, man, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, but you know, you're killing yourself, man. So, you know, check the labels every once in a while. And you find out, you know what, this is not good for me. Next thing you know, you start changing your palate. You start changing your appetite. Well, I, again, like I said earlier, you know, I know that's not a perfect illustration, but it's kind of true if you take it into the spiritual realm and you just start developing appetite for things that are good for you. I'm going to give you guys a secret. I don't know if it's going to work for you, but it works for me. When I go home, I always go home hungry. And I don't know about you guys, but I just go like, hey, sweetheart, and I go like straight to the kitchen, Right. I'm like, oh, give me some chips, and I just have this thing for salt, and and you know, next thing you know, I'm eating, man. I'm grubbing. I'm throwing something in the in the you know toaster, quesadillas, you know, like grilled cheese, uh, more cheese, a little more cheese. I just you know, and and next thing you know, after about an hour, uh, I'm like, oh, hi, Ariel, <laughs> hi, Aaron. I didn't know you guys were here. <laughs> yeah. And next thing you know, like I'm just like blastado right there. And the Lord taught me this. He said, here's what I want you to do. When you go home, you get into the word. Because I tell you what, because I know that, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, nourishing yourself and gluttony. And there's something about just me feeding my spirit that 
subsides my appetite for physical things. I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating. If you're here today and if that's one of your struggles, try it. Try it. One day you go home, instead of going to the kitchen, you know, you go say hi to your wife, you give her a kiss, hug your kids, and you open up your Bible, and then you eat your salad. Then. <laughs> it, I'm serious, man. Because that's, that's how we avoid temptation. Right here, he's talking about this, how we, we, we stay away from it, we pray away, and we slay away. You see, the bottom line is that certain people have made themselves more susceptible to certain sins because they've allowed the fires of those desires to somehow stay alive. And see, you know, the main reason he struggles with sexual sin is why he's got the mentality that's okay to check out the chicks and the menu as long as he doesn't place an order. And what I'm saying is, man, get rid of the menu, run out of the restaurant. What I'm saying is Galatians 5.24, the Bible says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, when you take up your cross, you murder your flesh. I even like, if you would, go over to James 3 in verse 4. It says, look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. I love that. Wherever the pilot desires. Now, if you go back to the verse that we just read, it talked about our own desires. Look at verse 14. We're drawn away by our own desires. But when it's the Lord, it's the pilot's desires. That's what sin is. That's all sin is. When your desire conflicts with God's desire and you choose your desire over his desire. But when the Lord gets a hold of your tongue and your heart, then I tell you what, there's a changed life. You know, what we see, you guys, and I think part of overcoming temptation is avoiding it and I think it's important to mention that we have to stay away and pray away and slay away. You know, we need to do our best to avoid it. I think it's also important to say that being tempted is not necessarily sin. Okay, just because you're tempted, it doesn't mean that you're in sin. If you've been praying and doing your best to avoid it, and yet here it is staring you in the face, that in and of itself is not sin, right? Even though, you know, Jesus was perfect, he was tempted, the Bible says in Hebrews 2.18, and you read the story in Matthew 4, you even read that passage in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, all points tempted, and yet without sin. You know, William Shakespeare, he said, "'Tis one thing to be tempted, another thing to fall. So make sure you make that distinction, okay? But I love what Erwin Lutzer said. He said, temptation is not a sin, it's a call to battle. And that's where I want to engage you guys in today. You know, when you're there, and you've done your best to avoid it, and you to stay away and pray away and slay away, but there it is, then what happens, you guys? It's a call to battle, and I want you guys to know this. It's a battle that you can win over sin every time. I mean, God has really been ministering to me in this truth lately, and I'm just sharing with you kind of a topical study because I've kind of been, man, just right in the middle of this. 
You don't have to sin. You don't have to get mad at your husband or your wife or your kids. You don't. You don't have to get upset or fall into those things. God has given us the means for victory. If, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 10, this is, these are the things that we need to come away with. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And there are those times when temptation is going to overtake us. It's going to kind of like catch up to us, right? It comes into our life. And so God says through Paul the Apostle, it's not unique to you. It's common to man. That's what we read here in the scriptures. And I think the reason that's helpful, you guys, is because sometimes we get the misconception that we're the only one experiencing it. That, and that can be devastating. I'm the only one, you know? Back in the Old Testament, we read the story about that prophet Elijah, such an awesome prophet, who actually struggled with this and came to a point where he just wanted to die because he thought he was all alone when he was not all alone. You know, read in First Kings 19.14, he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. See, he had that misconception that he was all alone, and when you think you're all alone, you're going to struggle, Right? So the Lord responded in 1 Kings 19.18. He said, You're not alone, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You know, whatever it is that you're going through, that you will be going through, you've got to know, according to the scriptures, that you're not alone, that it is common to Christians. You know, I know it's hard, but you're not the only one whose loved one has passed on. It's helpful to know that you're not alone. You're not the only one whose spouse is not saved. You're not the only one who's struggling with depression or panic attacks or anxiety or drugs or drinking or you've got trust issues or you have lust issues. You don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed because you think you're the only one who has marital problems or, or money problems. You're not alone. You know, and you're not alone when you struggle with pornography. As a matter of fact, they say 70% of all men ages 18 to 34, they're addicted to pornography. And we see sex everywhere. You know, you're, you're not alone. There's so many things that we can touch on when it comes to the world of temptation. You know, there's that right-on Christian girl, right, tempted to say, I want a husband so bad, I'm mad at God. There are some Christian girls going through that. There's a single guy who complains, I want a bride. And it's okay to tell God that. You want a bride, but just don't complain about it, okay? Lord, I would like to get married. I don't have the gift of singleness, Lord. And, and, but you stay focused on the Lord. He will bless you with a wife. I encourage you, a couple of you guys, start asking girls or asking God. You know, it's not a sin to get married, but it is a sin when you complain. You complain about a bride. I mean, there's a wide spectrum from that bride all the way to the ones over here on the other side contemplating suicide. 
I know there are people in this room that struggle with that because that's the world that we live in. You're not alone. You're not alone. That's what he's saying right here. It's common to man no matter what the situation is. Number one, this teaches me that I'm not the only one going through this. And secondly, you know, men have gone through the same exact thing, and here it is, and, and, and others have gone through the same exact thing that you're going through, and they have experienced victory. That's what you got to come away with. The exact same thing that you're going through and you feel like there's no one like you, you're at the bottom, that everyone else is stepping on you, including God. People have gone through what you're going through and worse. And they have prevailed. See, that right there, that catches my attention. It really does. I mean, in other words, there's nothing too hard for God. There will never be a time of temptation to sin when you can't win. And you got to know that, you guys. I mean, you might be here thinking, but man, you don't know my husband. Uh, I don't have to know your husband. (laughs) There are other husbands like that, and girls have been married to husbands like that, like Abigail, and she stayed so godly. Don't blame it on your husband or your wife or your kids or your job, or your unique addictions or afflictions, whatever they are. You know, uh, understand that people like Joseph and, and Job and, and Jesus, they've gone through so much, and there are examples. I want you guys to know that you can mount up with wings like eagles. You can walk, you can run, you can fly, no matter what it is, because we are the children of God. You know, when looking at our text, we see it's not unique to me. And, and secondly, we see it's not too hard for me and God. And that's what we read. You know, by God's grace and help with his truth and the spirit of truth, uh, we do not have to sin. And I, I pray you guys would know that. You know, it's interesting. Our passage, we read it right there. It says that with the temptation... I want you guys to know that with the temptation, think of that, like Siamese twins, there's never an exception. No matter what the temptation, with the temptation, there is a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, that you will win, you will not sin every single time. We got to know who God is. We got to know who we are. God is faithful to provide that every single time. You know, there's something about knowing you could win that helps. You know, I think of the, uh, forgive me, for, but I am kind of fascinated with the Golden State Warriors. I like this basketball team, and I really do. And I'm just thinking, man, these guys are so good. They know they can win every time. Of course, you know, they haven't, but I think they have that mentality. We got to know that we can win every time. We have to be Christians who are confident, not in ourselves, but in the God who's with us and for us. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, the other day I was talking to a guy who was struggling with pornography. A lot of guys do. I wish more would open up. But this guy is very transparent, and, you know, we were talking, and he remember he heard a message about how Joe Namath said, I guarantee, I guarantee 
we will win the Super Bowl, laid himself out there right on the line, and and then they won the Super Bowl. I, you know, a lot of times that confidence is a, is a great contributing factor. And the same is true for us. I, I can be a godly man, a godly husband, a godly dad. I don't have to sin with my lips or my mind or my heart or my mouth. I can go forward and win over sin. There's something about that confidence. I mean, this is a promise for victory every time we enter war. You know, sometimes God wants us to literally get out like Joseph. He ran out of the situations. I think a lot of times we got to get into the word and we got to swing our sword during temptation. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus swung his sword, he quoted it, and then he obeyed it. You got to know you can win. Sometimes the way we win and not sin is the way we stand up. And uh, forgive me for saying this, but I'm speaking to myself. Shut up, Manny. Don't say anything. How many of you here can test to the fact that you shouldn't have said that sometimes? You know what I'm talking about? And that spark, what does it do? It lights a fire. Just be quiet. That's what the Bible says in James 1.19. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Because what that anger, I wish I could get a raise of hands. I know you guys won't talk about it. But you get all angry at home. We do sometimes. And God says, enough. You think this is a sanctuary? You come, they call this a sanctuary? Your home should be a sanctuary. It should. There should be peace. Why? Because we are the people of God. The bottom line is, God will make a way. He'll show the way. And not only will he show the way, the thing I love about the Lord is he will show you himself. That, you know, I think the most important element of the, the second half of this passage is the faithfulness of God, you guys, that, that God will help you. God will help us to win over sin. And we, we want to know the way out. And so what do you do? We cry out to him and he gives us that, that victory, you guys. It's the Lord. I don't know if this is a spoiler alert, but um, ah, it's not really a, a main thing. But that movie Woodlawn, you got to come and see it. If you haven't seen it, you know, I would encourage you come. You could watch it at your house too, but there's something about being with the body of Christ, watching a movie like that that was intended and made for the glory of God that just really is a blessing. But but in the movie, if you remember what the movie's about, it was about a high school in Alabama that was uh, that was segregated. They were experiencing it for the first time. And so uh, the, the black players came into the white team, into a white neighborhood, a white school, with a white coach, and in the beginning, the coach, he didn't want to play these guys, you know, because he felt pressure from the parents, and just, you know, the way that changes are made, sometimes it's slow, and so, you know, uh, there was one guy on the team, however, you guys know him, Tony Nathan, he was a, a, a high school success, played football at Alabama, uh, and then he went on to play in the pros, two Super Bowls, this guy was gifted, he was gifted. He was good. He was strong. And so one game, the coach puts him in, and he does great. You know, he runs the ball, and you could see it. It's all over him. This guy is appointed to be a running back for the National Football League. Everybody could see it, right? But they end up putting him in, taking him out. They lose the game. They go home. And then at night, it's kind of cool. The scene goes to a little boy. He's the, the coach's son, a cute little guy, cute little guy. 
and he just tells his dad, you know, he's there and he's sad in his room, and he said, Dad, Dad, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I thought you said you would do anything to win. And, and the, the dad's all, well, yeah, I, I will, son. I, I, I want to win. That's me. I, I want to win. He said, then, Dad, Dad, why won't you put him in? Why won't you put him in? Dad, you saw him run. And, and I think for us, the way that it works is like God is there. Like God, almighty God is there, sitting on the bench. And all he's saying, and all we need to do is to put him in. Put him in the game. And we'll win every time. See, it's, it's God. You guys, we got to bring him in. And what ends up happening is this is a changed life. And they went on, and the coach learned his lesson. And I won't tell you the end of it. You got to come and watch the movie. But it's just amazing how everything changed. Let me close with, it with a couple of things, you guys. You know, I really hope and pray that we put these things into action. Uh, not only how to win over sin, which is to, you know, to, to stay away, pray away, and slay away, but also that we can win every time that you have your confidence in God and the promises he gives to you, you guys. But at the end of the day, at the same time, I have to acknowledge the fact that we won't be sinless on this side of time. There will be those moments of failure. And I want to tell you this in closing, because I think it's so important to know this, you guys, that not only is Jesus going to be there every time to help us not fall, I want you to know that our God is so good that he will be there every time when you do fall. I mean, how awesome is God? Do you guys see how rich you are? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he's faithful to keep us from sin. Our first John 1 9, he is faithful to forgive us when we sin. If you're a Christian, you're a blood-bought, bathed believer in Jesus Christ. And you are as white as snow, and you are perfect, and you are clean, and you are forgiven in the positional aspect. Rejoice in that. But when you fall, and we're trying not to, but when we do, my prayer is that you would also rejoice in the forgiveness that he gives to you on a practical, everyday basis. And that that would be something used by God so that you can go out and you can enjoy life and you could be an instrument to give life to others. Now, I like that passage in 1 John 2, 1. It says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. That's our goal. I mean, just because we know the devastation it does to the heart of God, to the people of God, and even to your own life. I pray that you would not sin. But, but he goes on to say, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. And that means you have a lawyer, you have an attorney, you have a defense, you have one that is there for you and in your corner every single time. That happens. That's the deal. That's the covenant that we make and that we enter into 
when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And so I know many of you here have already done that. But just in case, man, there is anyone here who, who hasn't done that, you know, maybe someone invited you and, uh, you know, they said, hey, let's, let's go to the lolly cup. Maybe they did that to you this morning. They're like, hey, let's go to the lolly cup. Oh, by the way, you know, and they brought you in. You're like, oh, man, I can't believe I ended up here. Or, I don't know. They could bribe you in different ways. Hey, we're going to go to lamppost afterwards or, you know, and then now and stuff like that, you know. And I don't know. You're someone, they, they made you. They said, hey, you, if you don't go to church, you can't live with us. There are some people like that. I can kind of understand that. So you're here and you're like, man, I don't want to be here. Okay, well, that's cool. But before you, before you split and before you go and you live your own little life, understand that it's not about being here. It's about where will you be after you die? Heaven or hell? You choose. Jesus is here to forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, give you a new life, give you power over sin. Bless your life. Something that we, we didn't experience growing up. We didn't have a mom and a dad. We didn't have freedom over drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. We, had, we didn't have anything. A lot of us here, we didn't have that growing up. And you won't have it either until Jesus Christ comes into your life and he shows you what a husband is, what a wife is, what a family is, what life is supposed to be about. Love. Love, peace, joy, forgiveness, all the good things. And then, if that's not enough, then when you die, you go to heaven. Not because you were the perfect person or you did everything right, but because you do have a God who loves you and who died for you on a cross. He did all the hard work. All you have to do is humble yourself, repent of your sins, and receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. It's a gift, man. It's a gift that God wants to give you today. And so I pray, if that's you and you need the Lord, we were all there one day. I was there August 20th, 1989, sitting in the chair, making a decision. It was the most wonderful decision I've ever made. It changed everything that day. Maybe this is your day. I pray that it would be.